Don't you love how the music is just, it's a little loud for me, though. <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. <laughs> he's, he's like looking back at me like, what, what, what? <laughs> All right. That was a good five seconds of that. Way to go. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. How many kids are ready to go back to school? <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, while I'm thinking about that, August 20th, we're having a back-to-school bash, and your kids don't want to miss it. They're going to just deck out the Macs back in the back. There's going to be gifts and prizes and all kinds of things, special treats for all the kids. We're going to bring them in the service. We're going to pray over every student that's going to school. How many of those parents need prayer? You guys are just waiting on school, so you have a vacation, aren't you? <laughs> but it's going to be good. We, we just want to believe the best is going to be the best year ever for your kids, that God is going to do wonderful things in their school as well. So, all right. Well, listen, I'm not going to delay any longer. You've heard me enough, but uh, it is a privilege and, and a very uh, honor for uh, my wife and I to open up the platform to uh, Amy Frutiger. Could you stand TLC and give her a big God bless you? Hey, hey there, I'm on. I might sound like Pastor Brett for a second, they said, because I'm using his microphone, which is very, you know, there's a weight with that. There's a, I can feel the anointing, but <laughs> it's great to be here, guys. And again, like you said, my name is Amy Frutiger. Uh, my parents are pastors, Gary and Drenda, and I was raised in church. You know, we started that uh, Faith Life Church when I was around 11 or 12. I can't remember exactly, but... Um, but it's been a, it's been a wild ride, that's for sure. And I just so honor anyone who's willing to jump in the fray, who's willing to serve in church, who's willing to support your pastors, who's willing to just give everything to the sake of the kingdom. Because you know what? God loves his bride. He loves his church. And no church is perfect. You know, we tell the, tell this at Faith Life, like, we have mistakes because we have people. So we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes, but, it's a family, and I, I feel that here tonight. I feel like you guys are family. And plus, Wednesday nights, I mean, you know, first Wednesday, you get, uh, like, the real family, like, the real committed people. So you guys are the real committed, the faithful, and I appreciate that, too, because I know it's almost time for school to kick back in, and you guys have other things you could be doing. But I'm, I'm blessed that you're here tonight, and you wanted to be in God's presence, and you came to hear his word because it's his word that changes us, and it's his word that changed my life. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story tonight, um, 100% true story of what God did in my life. And we're going to talk about healing tonight because how many know that it says in the Bible that he desires that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. So we can get our souls taken care of and then we can solve physical issues going on and it takes away from our life. And uh, health care is a huge, you know, issue in America. There's a lot of people who are battling chronic issues, as I was, and don't know what to do about it. Don't have any answers. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. First, I want to introduce you real quick to my family. If you guys have some of those pictures, we can put those up. Um, first of all, my husband is here tonight. So this is Jason, and that's us. But um, we've been married for almost eight years now. And then we have uh, two kids and they're back in your kid's wing, and they're having fun. So this is Dawson James, and he is three years old now. And he is my little wildfire. He, uh, that's him. He multitasks. So he's riding his bike. He's being a fireman. He's eating his apple. There is no stopping this child. He is full of life and energy, 100 
percent of the time, 24-7. So <laughs> yesterday he broke my daughter's tea set. He poured out shampoo all over the floor of our new house and was just, he doesn't mean to, but he's a boy. How, do you have any boys, girls, boys? Yeah, they're different than girls. So it's different. So um, my daughter, Journey, she's like the perfect lady. She loves, you know, princess and dressing up and she's a little fashionista and she loves dance. She loves ballet. So she's a blessing. Um, and she is five. So that's my family. And then uh, my extended family, my parents, like I said, and my siblings are all um, serving a faith life and um, just enjoying um, being in God's presence and, you know, walking it out day by day. We don't have all the answers. We don't have, you know, everything figured out, but, but we're trying to follow Jesus and follow those who've gone before us um, to the best of our ability. So I want to share again, like I said, about my story and what God uh, kind of did in my life. I wrote a book about it. I don't have it with me. I'm sorry, but I, we're actually out of them right now um, in stock, but you can get them on Amazon right now. So if you go on Amazon, you can find this. It's short. It's sweet. You can hand it out to people who are sick, and that's why I kept it short enough where you could keep it in your purse, pull it out, hand it to someone you meet in the grocery store. So it's called Healed Overnight. And um, it is my story plus what God kind of taught me about healing. And it's really also evangelical. So um, I, I'm sorry, evangelistic is what I meant. <laughs> so you, so it has sinner's prayer in there. It has basically a challenge like, you know, God still does miracles. He's alive. He's real. And if you don't know him, let me introduce you to him. So it's a great way to just, you know, hand that out to someone and say, hey, you know, I hear you're going through something. Let me tell you about this chick story here. So... <laughs> Um, But let me tell you a little bit about what is in this book um, and my story. Uh, It started back about, um, well, when I was 18 years old. And I started to notice some changes in my body. And I started to have pain in my muscles, in my legs, in my back. Um, And I started to notice that my stomach got really hard, um, like there was a growth in there. And so my mom took me to the doctor. Uh, She took me to an endocrinologist and The doctor, I think I was 19 by this time, and she basically kind of looked at me like I was crazy and said, honey, this is just the way you are. You know, kind of like all teenagers don't like their bodies. This is just the way you're shaped. Just live with it and deal with it. And I knew that something had changed, though, and I could feel it. And, And in fact, I couldn't pull my stomach in anymore. And I looked to me like I was fat and... I felt different on the inside, but this doctor referred me to another doctor. She's like, you know what? I think this is just the way you are. Sure enough, the next doctor said, honey, you're just going to have to live with it. Um, We're not really sure what's going on, but this is probably just the way that you're going to be the rest of your life. So fast forward, this is me at about age 22. I looked like I was six months pregnant. In fact, if I showed you a picture of me pregnant with my daughter, I was exactly that size. And um, I was so embarrassed to dress myself, to wear a bathing suit. Like, I, I wouldn't do certain things. I wouldn't wear T-shirts. I wouldn't wear bathing suits. I had to wear things to try to mask my body and kind of cover up. And again, doctors couldn't give me answers. Um, and I've met so many women who actually have gone through the exact same thing as me. And doctors have not been able to figure out what the problem is. But anyway, I did go through these years, these nine years of not only feeling physically broken, but I felt emotionally broken. 
And what I mean by that is, as you can imagine, as a young woman, I hated my body. I hated how I looked. I looked at myself every day and and basically wrote myself off as something that was broken and damaged goods. It's It's how I can describe it as. And, you know, we women especially can be difficult on ourselves. We can be tough on ourselves and, you know, well, I don't like this. I don't like that. We can nitpick about our bodies and just kind of reject ourselves. And that's where I found myself. I found myself in this intense battle against self-hatred to the point where I would stand in front of that mirror and I would point a finger at myself and, and name everything that I hated about my body, everything I hated about myself. And it was this intensely personal thing because I never told anybody, not even my parents knew what I was really going through. Nobody knew the the emotional pain that I was suffering. Nobody really knew. And I tried to kind of cover it up on the outside with, you know, that mask that we try to put up that says, oh, everything's okay, stay away. But on the inside, I was really, really struggling. Not only was I struggling, you know, with self-hatred, but along with self-hatred comes isolation and loneliness. Because if you don't feel like anyone loves you and you can't love yourself, it is the loneliest place on earth. I don't know if you've ever been there before. I don't know if you've ever found yourself alone in a room feeling like nobody cares about you or you don't deserve love or you hate yourself. And it's not that I didn't have family and friends who loved me because I did. I was so blessed with a family that, you know, raised me right, loved me. We were all best friends growing up as siblings. And I had a wonderful church family. I was leading worship at the time. By the way, awesome job, worship team. That was beautiful. I enjoyed not leading and just getting to soak tonight. (laughs) But so I was surrounded by people, but they were on the outside of this struggle that I was in. This self-hatred battle and this physical battle felt so isolating and so lonely that nobody could break through that barrier. Nobody could reach me where I was really hurting the most. And if you've ever been through a chronic battle with illness, I know you know what it feels like. Because it feels like nobody else understands what you're feeling in your body. Nobody else can go there with you. And it's just a lonely place to live. And that's where I found myself for nine years. And I knew that God could heal me. I was the pastor's kid. I saw people healed. I went with my parents to to Manila, Philippines. And there was this guy who came into the, well, didn't come in. His, His friends carried him into the service. He couldn't walk. He had had a stroke that debilitated his body. They brought him to the front like the people in the Bible who like lowered their friend through the ceiling. They ran him up to the front in the middle of the service And they put him at the front and they basically like begged my parents to pray for this. He was a pastor who had had a stroke. So my parents prayed for him. He fell out under the power of God. It was just like lightning from the power of God struck him. He fell down to the floor and jumped straight back up again and started running around the room screaming, I'm healed, I'm healed in Tagala. And so I had seen that. I was there. I was videoing during this miracle. I had seen God heal many, many, many people, and I knew, this, I knew the scriptures here, but they weren't here yet. Because every time I tried to get them to translate from my head to my heart, there was a blockage. Does anybody maybe know what that was? <laughs> if you understand my story a little bit, if you can't receive love, you can't receive anything else. 
If you can't receive love from God and you can't love yourself, then you will never receive healing, finances, the right spouse. You will, you cannot receive because it's a blockage that is stopping good from coming to your life. And so, um, through this, you know, I had really, I had saved myself for marriage. In fact, my husband, I, our first kiss was at the altar on our wedding day. And, you know, God sent him to me to kind of be, a uh, a partner in this fight I was in. And he never, you know, mentioned my body at, at all. He knew uh, a little bit about my struggle, but I, again, I didn't even let him in completely to know all of the backstory, <laughs> all of the nine years of struggle. So we were married uh, in 2009. And about a year into this, I went to a chiropractor and got some x-rays. Again, throughout all of this, I was having infections in my organs that were unexplained. They didn't know where the infection was coming from. Um, I, again, was unable to jog. I was unable to do any cardio because my spine was straight now. The curve was completely gone out of the lower part of my back. And there were knots from the vertebrae sticking out as if they were being pushed out from this growth. And again, you know, you would think that doctors would have listened a little more and actually maybe had me do um, a bit more of an, you know, an MRI or a CT scan or anything like that. But every, it was so weird. I, I think now that God was maybe even protecting me because I, I do truly believe that they would have said, oh, we got to do a hysterectomy. You know, you have this growth because as I was praying about this, God, God told me, go to the chiropractor. I had been doing all these massage, all the, all these different things to cope with the pain. And the, the, the chiropractor kind of looked at me funny. He's like, Amy, there's, there's something in your abdomen. I, I think you have a growth there. And it's really, it's pushing out on your spine, and you can see where there's lack of curvature in your spine. And so I kind of came home. He's like, you know, I would go to the doctor. I would show them these x-rays, and I would demand that, that you get a CT scan and find out exactly what this is. So I came home, and I knew there was the chance that if I went to another doctor and kind of forced the issue and said, hey, you know, I want you to find out what this is, that there was the potential of multiple surgeries. There was the potential of losing the ability to have children. And I also knew that God had promised in his word that I could receive healing and I wasn't experiencing it. And there was a disconnect and I was tired of it. To be honest, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and I was fed up. And so I got in God's face a little bit, and I had a Hannah's prayer. Because at that point in our marriage, about a year into our marriage, we wanted children. And we, we wanted children. And I was like, God, you're going to have to show me what's wrong. <laughs> because I want children. And I will do whatever it takes to get this fixed. If it's inside of me, then show me what is going on. So I fasted and I prayed for a couple days. And finally, the Holy Spirit revealed several things in my emotions that were blocking me from receiving anything good, to be honest. He showed me the self-hatred and he said, Amy, you're allowing Satan to twist your identity. You've lost your identity. You've, you've lost who you really are. And in that moment, I encountered Jesus. I encountered who he was. His love just started to pour into me to heal that self-hatred. And I have to tell you that to encounter healing, you first have to encounter the healer. His name is Jesus. And 
He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him, it says in Acts 10.38. So Jesus is with us, the Bible says, and he's still going about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil if we will let him. And he showed me this scripture in Romans 8.11 as well. He said, Look this up. And so I looked up Romans 8, 11, and I hadn't really even studied this ever before, but it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now, it says in another translation in the King James to quicken your mortal body. That, that means to restore, to give life to, to quicken, to take it back to the way it originally should have been. And so if you were living in the Garden of Eden today where sin had never touched the earth, what would your body feel like? What would be the sickness you'd be dealing with? Nothing, right? If you were standing in heaven right now, what sickness would you be dealing with? None. Because there's no sickness in Jesus' presence. And God showed me that if the spirit of God is inside of me, the Holy Spirit's inside of my body, it is there to resurrect anything that Satan has tried to kill. It is there to resurrect and restore and renew and take back to its original state as it was intended in the Garden of Eden. Anything in my body and in my life that I need him to touch that does not align with his word and his will for me. And so I encountered the healer. I encountered the healer. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, that Jesus was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And Jesus kind of told me in that fasting and prayer time, he said, how much of my blood are you going to leave on the table? How much of the covenant I paid for are you going to just leave sitting there and you're not going to partake of it? When we take communion, it's this is his body, this is his blood that he broke to give us this new covenant. And so I realized that for every stripe Jesus had taken on his back, there was a name written on that stripe, cancer, tumor, Everything you could imagine that you may face in this life, it was written across the stripes that were put on Jesus' back. And Jesus, this is something that God also showed me when I was reading through the Bible. He said, Amy, I never said no. Jesus never said no when someone asked him for healing. I, I challenge you to find in the Bible where Jesus is walking through the town and someone comes to him and says, Son of David, have mercy upon me. And and he says, oh, son, I'm sorry, but that's to teach you a lesson. So I'm just going to leave that blindness on you for a little bit longer because it's teaching you patience. Or, son, that leprosy is because, you know, you're being punished by God and and I can't heal you of that because it, you know, I've allowed that to come upon your life. I dare you to find one instance in the Bible where Jesus told someone who came to him in faith, no. No. And so if Jesus healed all then, he's healing all now. The only time that Jesus couldn't heal was when people did not have faith and they scoffed and they mocked at him and said, we know this guy, he was the carpenter's son. You gotta be kidding me. He thinks he's the Messiah now? Like, who are you? Who do you think you are, Jesus? We grew up with you. We changed your diaper when you were a baby. 
you know, those were the people who could not receive anything from him because they didn't honor who he was. But everyone who came to him and acknowledged him as the son of God and had their faith put in him, they were healed. They were healed. So Jesus showed me that. I never said no. Uh, Bill Johnson says, God already chose 2,000 years ago to heal you. Either the payment for, was sufficient for all sin or no sin. Either the payment was sufficient for all sickness or no sickness. So it's either enough for everything or it's not enough for anything. So if you've ever seen anybody healed of anything, then that's your right too, to be healed. So I'm telling you my story tonight so you can look at me and say, hey, Amy was healed. She, God healed her. God, I believe that you can heal me too. If you healed her, you can heal me because you're not a respecter of persons. She's not special by any means that's going to set her apart to be healed when I need healing as well. So I challenge you to do what I did and to get tired of putting up with the status quo that Satan's tried to put over your life. So the doctor had said, this is the way you are in the very beginning. And I had accepted that label, broken, damaged goods, got to live with it, got to put up with it, got to medicate it, got to try to cope. I hate that word so much. Oh, I hate that word. I, you don't have to cope with anything that Satan has tried to put on your life. <laughs> you do not have to cope. There is, a, there is a cure. Let's talk about the cure instead of coping. So after I got through this whole emotional healing where God showed me, you know, my identity needed he- healed and restored, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I took a 30-day challenge then, and I said, okay, God, I think I've gotten this self-hatred out. I've pulled out some of the, these weeds in my heart. The soil is your heart. You guys know that, I'm sure, and you've been taught that out of the Bible, that the soil is the heart of man. And I had a lot of weeds in my garden that I needed to rip out. There were words people had spoken against me, and as pastor's kids, hey, you get some stuff said about you, all right? So I had to forgive some people. I had to let go of some word curses that had been spoken against me. Maybe somebody told you you were worthless. Maybe somebody told you you were a mistake. Maybe somebody told you that you would never amount to much. Or you would live this way the rest of your life. Or you're dumb. Or you're stupid. Maybe somebody has spoken some of those words over you. And you have accepted them as the label that inhibits you from growing any further that inhibits you from stepping out in what God has told you to do. And every time you try, it's like you hit this wall and you're like, you know, I'm going to start a new business and you bounce off that wall of failure. I'm a failure. I can't start that business. Every time you try, every time I tried to believe God for healing, because I would, I would be like, you know what? By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I'm just going to believe that I'm healed. And every time I would run up against that wall of you're broken, you're damaged goods. You'll be this way the rest of your life. You're worthless. Everybody hates you. All of those voices would try to come against me. And so ripping those things out of my life was a process that took a good couple months. And I started to stand in front of the mirror where I used to point at myself and say horrible things about myself. And I started to speak life. And I started to say, girl, you are beautiful. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God didn't make you broken. Your body is perfect. You were created in his image, in the likeness of Father God. You look just like him. You look just like him. 
And I started to speak those words of affirmation and life. And my husband joined along in that. And, you know, he was a great uh, blessing in that too, to speak words of life and love over me in that first year of marriage. So I come to this point where I, you know, I'm like, okay, I feel like I've gotten some of these things out of the way now. I feel like you know, my dad was starting a healing series at church. He was going to start preaching on healing and for the next six weeks. And I was like, perfect. I am going to soak this in every single day, every single moment. So I got out my iPhone. I put 30 healing scriptures in my, in my phone, in my notes. And I started to go through those notes every day, three or four times a day. Anytime those thoughts would try to bombard my life or anytime I was in pain or in the morning, especially when I had to get dressed and I had to look at my body in the mirror and think, oh boy, I do not like the way I look. And I would stop myself and I would grab those healing scriptures and I started speaking them out loud because doctors have proven that when your body hears your own voice speaking something, your cells go into action to enact whatever you're saying. Scary, isn't it? So, <laughs> so we really have to watch what we're saying, but the words come out of the soil in our heart. So that's what we got to work on. That's what I worked on for 30 days. I fasted any other media, any other voices. I turned off the TV and the radio except for Christian music and even some of that you got to watch. <laughs> I put on worship music primarily. I put on scriptures. I would take my dad's teaching on healing and put it in every single day in my car. So every day when I drove to work and home, I listened to that message all week long, including speaking those 30 scriptures three times a day. This went on for 30 days, okay? And by the end of that 30 days, I'm telling you what, something had changed on the inside of me. And you've heard maybe the term in faith. Are you in faith, sister? Are you in faith? And I always was baffled by that term because it, I thought I believed God, you're right. Like you've heard, oh yes, I believe God, you know. But we're just giving mental assent to things. We're just agreeing with our head, but it's not really in our heart. We can't make faith grow in our hearts. That's what I didn't understand for so long was I would try, I would like grip my teeth and be like, all right, I'm going to be in faith to get my healing. And then, you know, something else would come the next day and I would let go of it like a wind that blew by and blew me away. What I realized is faith only can come in your heart by hearing the word of God. It does it all by itself. It does it all by itself. It's a seed you plant and you continue to water. You cannot make yourself be in faith. You cannot make yourself believe God. The word of God is what will produce faith in your life. And so speaking those scriptures consistently every day started to change my picture. And... Come to that 30, into that 30 days. I'm in my room and I'm praying and I'm speaking these scriptures and I'm saying, in Jesus' name, I curse this sickness. It has no right to dwell in my body. You know, Jesus dwells in my body and his spirit is quickening my mortal body, restoring it to his original state. You know, I'm the head and not the tail. God has given me the right to health and healing with long life. He'll prosper me and, and show me his salvation. And by his wounds, I was healed and just speaking all these. And all of a sudden, something clicked. It was literally like a light bulb went off on the inside of me. It was like the illumination of the Holy Spirit. And I started to laugh and cry and laugh some more and dance. And I got so happy because in that moment, I believed. 
and it wasn't something I made myself do. In that moment, I had sown the word of God into my heart so much and I'd shut out all the other seed stealers, the dream killers that try to come and take away the, the word. Finally, that plant had grown up on the inside of me. That healing, that picture of me healed, it was there. All of a sudden, I saw it, and I felt it, and I could envision it, and you could not tell me that it wasn't God's will to heal me in that moment. It felt like joy. When you are in faith, there's such a confidence that it feels like joy. Now, the external emotions can still be there. You can have little twinges of, oh, you know, what if it doesn't work this time again? But it's not in here. It's just something that kind of floats in one ear and out the other, and it doesn't affect you. So on the inside, I was so incredibly happy, and I ran into our bedroom uh, where Jason was, and I said, Honey, I'm healed. This weekend, we're going to go have the elders lay hands on me, like it says in the Bible, and I'm receiving my healing once and for all, and it is done. I am convinced this is God's will for my life. And he said, Amen. So we went Saturday night. The elders, I called them up, and I said, Guys, I'm about to receive my healing and I want you to agree with me. Can you do that? And they were like, absolutely. And they got excited. And so we prayed and they, they laid their hands on me and prayed for me. Do you know that I left the altar feeling the exact same way as when I walked in that church? I still had pain. I still looked like I was six months pregnant. I still had digestion issues. I still had all of that on the outside. But on the inside, I knew that I knew I was healed and nobody could tell me otherwise. I knew it was settled. I knew it was done. And I knew that justice had been served in my case. And so I walked away from that altar and um, people were just kind of like, cool, you're healed. That's awesome. You know, but they were like watching to see what would happen. And, you know, two weeks later, I came home and I was having a really bad physical day. I mean, I did not feel good at all. And uh, in fact, I forgot to mention, but but even throughout our first year of pregnancy, uh, pregnancy, <laughs> our first year of marriage, when we were believing to get pregnant, I had so many uh, circumstances and issues that I ended up in the hospital twice. And again, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So through all of that, the first year of marriage, Jason's like, oh my gosh, you know, he's worried and concerned for his bride. But he was in agreement with me, too, as we stood on the word of God for those two weeks. And I was not going to be moved. I, I came home that day, and I was suffering still in pain, not able to eat very well, and just kind of, all right, you know. But I pulled out my scriptures again, and I said, God, I thank you that on September 28th, I was healed. I thank you that on that day, when I walked away from that altar, it was done. And so I you know, did my normal nighttime routine. I weighed myself, I brushed my teeth, washed my face, laid down, fell asleep and slept probably the best I've ever slept in my entire life. I felt like I was just in this cloud of just like, oh man, this is like the most comfortable bed in the world. And I slept like a baby and I woke up, I woke up late actually, slept past my alarm and I sat up in bed and something felt different. And Jason looks over at me, and, uh, you know, he was like, good morning, and then he kind of opens his eyes, and he looks over at me sitting up, and I'm kind of like looking around like, wait, what's different? And he goes, oh my gosh, what happened to your body? 
And I was like, I felt myself and I was like, oh my gosh. So I ran to the mirror and I looked at the picture of my healed body that I had seen inside for all these weeks. Because you see, faith sees the after picture when you're still living in the before. And so when I saw that picture, I saw the after picture, my faith had already seen it. And so on one hand, I wasn't surprised, but on the other hand, my flesh was totally shocked. And I was like dumbfounded. So I ran to the scale and I weighed myself. I was 13 pounds lighter. I measured my waist. I was nine inches smaller. And at that point, I called my mom crying and I said, mom, you've got to come over here because God has healed me. And she runs over in her car. She drives to our house and she starts bawling, seeing the manifestation of God's healing power in my life. And my family all sees me that day and they all start crying because I'm, my grandpa got born again, partly because of my story. When he saw me, he called me his miracle and his angel because he, for 80 years, he was a cynic. He was an atheist, didn't want anything to do with God. But he told someone after I was healed, I've seen too much. I can't deny it anymore. And so he got born again. But I want to show you my before and after picture because, again, Faith saw this after picture when I was still living in the before. And this was taken eight hours apart. These two pictures were. And... You can see where God totally healed my body. He took that growth out of my body. And then my spine that had been straightened in the bottom part of it was lacking curve. You know, you could see where my organs were displaced. It had curve in the lower part now. And it felt completely different. I could do everything that I wanted to without pain. Cardio, running, jumping, you know, all of those things I couldn't do before. And from that day until this, I have never had another symptom. I've never had another issue from this whole thing. God totally healed me overnight. He removed that 13-pound growth. He, he healed my spine. He put the organs back where they should be. And I walked free from that 100% once and for all. Amen. God, God is so good. And I, I get... I still cry like every time I tell my story because, because it's personal. You know, when you have your own healing story or your own testimony of financial deliverance or whatever it may be, it becomes so personal to you. And I, I mean, I'll spend the rest of my life telling people about it. <laughs> you can't shut me up about it. If I see anyone sick, I'm like, let me tell you about something I had happened. And I've had a lot of people um, who have been healed since then. And so I want to give you really quickly five steps to receiving what you need from God tonight. And I want you to write these things down if you are facing a battle. Whatever it is, it doesn't even have to be about healing and health. But this works for anything. Number one, I want you to build your faith in God by invading your world with the word. It's not enough to come on Sunday and just hear it. It's not enough to just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. It's not even enough to read the word in the morning once a day but then you're spending the entire rest of the day surrounded by fear. You have to tip the scales. So if this is where you are, and this is the heaviest thing in your life, the, the, the sickness, the torment, the panic attacks, the fear, the lack, the poverty, whatever that is, that heavy thing that is weighting down your life, you have got to start putting something else in the other side of that scale. So this is what can happen. 
so that God's word becomes heavier, it becomes weightier, it becomes stronger in your life than the other forces around you. And that's why I had to shut off the radio and all those stupid TV commercials that say, if you've had the chicken pox, then the, you know, the shingles virus is already in your body and one out of three women are going to suffer depression and blah, 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 blah. I hate those commercials for all those meds because you know what? It is just planting fear and planting things in people's hearts. And I shut those off. Don't watch those commercials, okay? You guys do me a favor. Shut those off next time they come on. (laughs) Stop giving a place to the enemy to speak into your life because there will be a night at 3 a.m. when you wake up and your skin is rashy and you're like, Oh my gosh, I had the chicken pox when I was young. I bet this is the shingles. Oh, what a horrible thing. You know, my friend had scars all over their body from the shingles. It's the most painful thing in the world. Satan will take you down that road if you allow him and you give him that seed to plant in your heart. So shut off those voices of fear and start building your life by invading your word world with the word of God. You've got to change your picture. If I hold up a mirror and on that mirror it has all the doctor's reports you've received, if it has people's stories and words they've spoken over your life, then you're looking at the wrong mirror. This is the only mirror that really matters, guys. When we get to heaven, we're going to realize this, and I'm convinced I'm going to be the first to repent. I'm going to be like, God, I'm so sorry that I let other things in my life paint the picture of what my life should look like and who I am and my identity when this was all that mattered all along. You know, we waste so much time planting all these other messages into our hearts when this is what matters. And uh, you and I will always reflect the world we are most aware of. Are we most aware of heaven? Are we most aware of God's kingdom? Are we most aware of the spiritual realm? Or are we most aware of this earthly, natural flesh realm? And I think that's why Paul said, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Put the flesh down because if you're most aware of the fleshly realm, you are going to inherit the wind. You're going to live in that fleshly realm and never receive a miracle, never receive something supernatural in your life. And so watch what you are painting the picture of your life by guarding your heart, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, They are the controllers to your heart. It's like if someone plugged in a controller to a Game Boy or to, you know, PS3 or 4, whatever, 10, whatever it is now, and they plug that controller in and they start controlling you. Okay, what comes into your eyes, what comes into your ears, and what you speak out of your mouth, those are controllers to your life. Be careful you don't hand that controller to someone or something that is going to take you down a game over, okay, down a wrong path. And... The other part within this is transformations are going to take some determination. You know, a butterfly, these little monarch butterflies, they look so frail. But they're capable of an impossible journey. And what I realized, even though I felt weak in those moments, I felt like that little monarch butterfly struggling to get to Mexico. And I'm like, if I could only get healed. And God was like, girl, you got to live as if you already are healed, as if you already are in Mexico as the monarch butterfly. And I, I, I don't know how monarchs make it to Mexico throughout, you know, the United States, all the way from Canada to Mexico. They fly and there's these little tiny things, but they have some grit and determination is all I can figure. And sometimes you have to get tired enough that you're willing to do whatever it takes. Like I told God, I will do whatever it takes because I want to have babies and I want to be a mom. And so you've got to get some grit and determination, even though you may look frail and it looks impossible 
God is able to lift you up on the wind of his spirit and take you where only you can go with him. So we've got to change our, our pattern of thinking, as it says in Romans 12 too. Um, take that 30-day challenge, like I said, like I did. That's another you know, way to just inundate your world with the word. Take that 30-day challenge uh, about whatever it is that you're facing. Get out those scriptures. Find God's promises. You know, the only thing Satan can try to do is influence you through the physical realm. So if you stop living out of your mind, will, and emotions, he can't influence you. The only thing he can do is try to throw up things in front of your eyes and your ears and your senses, your physical realm, to try to influence you. But if those things are less important to you than your spirit, they will not change the course of your life. You'll just be like, yeah, I'm not moved by that. Uh, Jesse Duplantis says, don't be moved by what you see. Be moved by what you believe. And so that's, that's walking out of our spirit realm, Right? You are not responsible for the thoughts that pass your door, but you're responsible for those you admit and entertain. And I had entertained so many fearful thoughts for nine years. Fear had become a companion to me. It was who kept me company when I was lonely at night. It was who spoke to me when I felt like nobody else understood. And, you know, fear can kind of come along and try to make you feel like it's part of your survival. But fear will take you down. You've got to kick fear out. You've got to stop thinking enemy thoughts. Number two, ask God for a restoration of your identity. Ask God for a restoration of your identity. Ask God to show you who you are. I had self, uh, self-hatred and acceptance issues. Maybe for you it's pride. Maybe it's, you know, feeling like a failure and a loser. I want to ask you tonight, what do you see when you look in the mirror? I have a picture of my daughter. And this is what I want to see when I see myself in the mirror. I want to see this. I want to see confidence. (laughs) I want to see joy. This is who she is. She is sassy and confident. And yet she's very sensitive to the needs of the people around her. When I look in the mirror, I I want this to be me. You know, God says to be like a little child. And that's the only way you're going to receive anything from Father God. So I just want to come to Daddy and I'll be like... I'm here, Daddy. I love you. I love you. I love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. You're so cool. What are you doing today? Can I come? Oh, awesome. Like, that's how we have to be with Father God. And it seems so stupid to our adults' dignified ways that we have developed as a survival instinct to appear important to others around us, right? But we have got to lay down those prideful ways and we have got to be in Daddy's face and be like, I believe. Because if I tell my kids I'm going to get them ice cream after the service, guess what's going to happen when I go out those doors? Mommy, where's my ice cream cone? If you will be like that with Daddy God, you will receive what you are believing for. Because that's faith. My kids use faith when I tell them something. Because I haven't let them down and disappointed them too often. Like if I promise something, I try to come through. Parents, that's important. We got to follow through and be, you know, diligent with our word. But that's faith. So you need to come... Daddy, I'm here. I'm receiving my healing tonight. I'm here. I'm ready. You said, you said we were going to have ice cream after. Remember? That's what we got to do when the Bible says to remind God of his word. It's really putting ourselves in remembrance and standing in faith. And God loves it. Oh, man, he loves to bless his kids. Healed is already who you are. It's part of your identity. Healed is who you are. 
It's part of your identity. Just like forgiven is who you are, blessed is who you are, confident is who you are, at peace is who you are. It's all wrapped into your identity as a child of God. Number three, receive emotional healing first. I believe that it says in the Bible that, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So the proportion to which we receive healing and provision, I believe, is directly proportionate to how our souls are doing. How are your mind, will, and emotions doing? Do you need some emotional healing for some stuff that's happened? Do you need to forgive some people? Do you need to forgive yourselves, though the most important person in the world for you to forgive and the hardest person in the world for you to forgive is yourself. And so we've got to receive emotional healing first. We've got to ask God to heal those things. I remember, I remember having a nervous breakdown in my early 20s, driving home one night because I literally could not function. I was in a performance mentality. I was in pain from rejection and hurt And I had based my worth on my performance. And every time I didn't do everything just perfect, I would freak out and I would be so down on myself. Because performance-based worth, it will put you in a mental hospital. It will kill you. If your worth is based on how you perform and how well you do and how well you, you know, look in front of other people and how well you're a mom and how, you know, you do the perfect Pinterest parties and you... Guys, you have the Ferrari and you have the perfect job. And, you know, if that is what your worth is based on and you make a mistake, then it all falls apart. Your worth is based upon your performance. It all falls apart when you make a mistake. And that's where I was. And I remember God walking me through the deliverance I needed for that to receive my mistakes, my failures, my faults, and just forgive myself and say, I got to cut myself some slack and give myself some grace sometimes, all right? And, you know, maybe there's freedom from fear, greed, abuse, pride, rejection, shame, all of those major pillars that Satan tries to build in our lives. And Satan's kind of like a, a goose that I was chased by when I was a toddler. I still remember this to this day. I was three years old, and this goose chased me from the pond to my parents' house. And I was terrified because it was as tall as I was. And I was a little three-year-old. And my mom, she's standing at the door and she's kind of laughing, but she's also like, hey, get out of here. Shoo, shoo, shoo. That goose, it, it, it couldn't hurt me really. I mean, it might have pecked at me a little bit, but to be honest, to my mom, that goose did not look like an adversary that was a big deal, right? She was like, get out of here. Shoo. And she kind of kicked it away. That's what Satan is. He's like this little goose that just tries to chase you around and look all big and scary, but I mean, he's a pest. Just kick him out of the way and get get out of here, Satan. You're so dumb. And when I got inside the house with my parents, I wasn't afraid anymore. Why? Because my daddy was in the house. My mama was in the house. And when you know your daddy's with you, your father God's with you, that little old goose chasing you ain't no big deal. You just kick it out of the way and you keep going. That's the way you, we got to treat Satan. We got to treat him as if that's no big deal. Start, stop exalting who he is and how scary he is, you know? Number four, pray and thank God when you are convinced of his promises. I didn't run to the altar every weekend for prayer until I was convinced, until I was convinced that it was God's will to heal me. Now, don't get me wrong, there's gifts of healing. You know, you've seen people flow in gifts of healing, and I have felt that, and I've, I've flown in the gift of healing before as well. But 
there's a right that you have as a child of God to receive healing, and you don't have to have anyone lay hands on you even to receive that. It is part of your promise. It's, It's the children's bread, Jesus called it. It's part of the Abrahamic covenant that we've been grafted into. It's part of your bread, your daily bread. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, and then he called healing the children's bread. So I think there's a correlation there. But we, we need to just thank God and pray when we are convinced of his promises. I, I see so many Christians who get disappointed faith. Well, evangelist so-and-so came to town, and they prayed for, you know, for this tumor, and it didn't go away. Well, it must be God's will that I live with it some more. And that they get disappointed faith. Because number one, they were looking to the man instead of God. And number two, they probably weren't convinced of God's promise for their healing. And I, I'm not saying it's wrong to, to come up and get prayer, but make sure that you're doing it in faith and not out of ritual. It's not a ritual. It's not a ritual. It's something that you are, you are coming into agreement. So when there's a prayer team in your church who prays, they're coming into agreement with your faith. And I always ask everybody, I was like, what, what, what scripture are you standing on? And if they can't tell me when I say, you know what? Go home, find some promises out of God's word, and I want you to memorize those. And next time you come in here, you know, I want you to soak your life in those scriptures until you know that you know that you know. And I'm going to come into agreement with you, but we got to have something to agree upon. <laughs> so find something that you can agree with me out of the word of God. Number five. Uh, so we're going to pray the prayer of faith when we're in agreement with God's word. And um, let's see, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Number five is to continue, I don't think you have a slide for this one, sorry, is to, to continue to believe and stand even when you don't see the manifestation yet. There was a two-week gap, and I, I don't know exactly why, but I do have an inkling because I believe the spirit realm is so much faster than the natural realm. And the Bible says, if we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I believe in those two weeks, my body was recovering. And then overnight, it, it happened in the full manifestation. But I believe the, the, na- the natural realm is so much slower than the spirit realm. So in the spirit realm, I was healed on September 28th. But in the natural realm, it took two weeks to kind of catch up to the, to, the, to the healing that had already happened. So when you have prayed the prayer of faith, you, you stand in agreement and you don't let your words chop down that tree of faith that you have grown in your heart. Even though you may not see the manifestations yet, you may not see the reality yet on the outside, but on the inside, hold on to that picture of faith and you will see it. God cannot lie, friends. He will, he will not lie. You have to understand Satan is the father of lies. God will not be anything like Satan ever, never, never, never. And if the sun rises tomorrow, it's proof that God's word is true and that he will not lie. The Bible says that the very firmaments of the heavens and the sun is held in place by his faithfulness and the fact that he cannot lie. And God can't move unless we give him that legal access, though, that permission through faith. And that's a whole other teaching. And, you know, I challenge you. I'm sure Pastor Brett has taught on this before. But, but faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God until it overcomes the obstacles in your path. And there was a lady who came to me after I was healed, and she had had asthma since she was three years old. She had been in and out of hospitals all of her life. And she said, Amy, your story changed me. 
The doctor told me I would live with this the rest of my life and I accepted it as my reality. But tonight I'm standing and I'm believing that I'm healed and I'm never gonna have an asthma attack again. I'm throwing away my inhalers. I'm throwing away my steroids. I'm throwing away these pills. And she did. And guess what? From that night forward, she has never had another asthma attack. She's 35 years old and she has never had one from that point till now. For 35 years, she struggled with that. I had another lady who, she was supposed to be going into surgery to get uh, fibroid tumors removed. They were the size of a baseball. They were big, and the doctor said, there is no way on this earth that fibroid tumors will go away on their own. We're going to do surgery in a month. She said, well, all right, I have a month. She got out my book, and she read my 30-day challenge in there, and she's like, well, praise God, it's not too late. Surgery isn't a bad thing, but it's just not a Ricky thing, she said. Her name was Ricky. She said, it's just not a Ricky thing. I'm not going to have surgery. And so even her daughter and her mother scheduled a flight to come in town to take care of her after the surgery. So she got out my book and she started writing down all these scriptures and speaking and believing God. And do you know that 10 days into the 30-day challenge, she woke up completely healed of those fibroid tumors? And I think you guys might have her before and after picture back uh, back there as well. She has a black shirt on. If not, it's okay, but there she is. And um, so this was, this was before and this was after, and those tumors were completely gone. She went to her doctor, and her doctor got angry. And he said, that's impossible. Fibroid tumors don't go away on their own. You're lying. And he did an exam, and he realized that <laughs> it was true that she was healed. He canceled the surgery, and he was still angry. He kind of... He kind of was like, he wouldn't talk to her anymore. She left and her mom and her, her daughter were in town. And you know what they did? Instead of having a recovery party, they had another kind of party and they went and ran a 5K the next day. And she's like enjoying her new body. She's celebrating her new body, doing all these things she couldn't do before those tumors were there. And they, God totally removed. She was healed overnight, just like I was. There are so many stories. Lisa had... Um, like seven different autoimmune disorders all put together into one. And she was dying. She was planning her funeral, her own funeral. She came to our church. She heard my story and she listened to pastors' CDs on healing. She was healed from that autoimmune disorder and she now serves in our spiritual care department praying for the sick because she is a total different woman. She looked like death before and now she is alive. I, I can't even tell you all the stories. It would take all night long. But I, but I want to challenge you with this one thing. Whatever circumstance you are facing, and however you see yourself tonight, Jesus is stronger and he is more than enough. He is more than enough. And I want you to challenge, challenge you like that song said, get your hopes up again. Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been through a lot and you're like, I don't know if I can believe again, Amy. I've tried this before. And I want to challenge you to not try, but just get in Jesus's presence and receive who he is, the healer. Receive his presence. He is the healer. And I want you to ask him to change your heart if there's anything in there that needs to be ripped out. Any seeds of doubt that have been planted in there to, to pull those things out and to start to sow the word of God in your heart. Tonight, I, I just want to stand up and um, worship team, if you guys can come up. And I want to challenge you guys that if you've never asked God to heal your body, 
Maybe you've just struggled and you thought, well, this is just the way it is. You guys, go ahead and stand up to your feet for one second. Um, maybe you felt like, you know, I'm afraid to ask God for anything. I've never really asked him. I didn't know that healing was part of my covenant. I want to challenge you to get into God's word. I want you to, to start speaking those scriptures out loud. But right now, I, I know that God has uh, brought me here for someone. I, I saw, you know, as I was praying, coming into the service, I saw several women, especially who have been dealing with self-hatred and maybe young women as well. But, um, and I also saw several people um, that need, that are ready to receive their healing and they need freed from the spirit of infirmity because there's a spirit of infirmity. It's a demonic spirit that is sent on assignment against people in the body of Christ. And you have authority over that. We have authority over those demonic presences and those things that would try to attack our bodies. But right now, I just want to pray over you. And then in a minute, we're going to kind of, we can even dismiss the service after we, after we do a song. But I, I want to spend some time praying for the sick. If you are here tonight and you want to believe God and you're like, yes, Amy, just come into agreement with me that God will show me how to get free from this and that he will confirm his word in me and that I will be set free. But right now, if you just close your eyes for one moment. And as always, the very first step is knowing Jesus, the healer. If you, if you don't know him, if you've never given your heart to Jesus and you're like, I don't know this God that you're talking about, Amy, but I see that he's done these miracles in your life and he's alive and he's real. And I want to know who that is. And if you've never, if you've never done that, I just want you to do something real fast for me. You don't have to come up front. I just want you to raise your hand and put it right back down. And we're just going to say that prayer and invite Jesus to come. And maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you feel like, you know what? I want to just rededicate my life. I want to say, Jesus, I want to know you in a greater way. Would you show yourself to me if that's you as well? Just put your hand up and put it right back down right now, tonight. Amen. 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 Let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, everybody together. Say, Jesus, I come before you tonight. I thank you for your sacrifice that gave me the right to be a child of God. I ask you to show me who you are in a deep way. I don't want to be the same. I want to know your love. I want to know your forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean of all of this world stuff. I thank you tonight that heaven is my home, that I belong to you now. And I thank you for the journey you're about to take me on, that it's to give me hope and a future. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your eyes closed for one minute. Thank you for those who raised your hands. I want to pray over those who are battling with self-hatred. Guys and girls, but especially ladies, I feel like this is something that Satan really tries to bring against us. And it's an evil thing to stand there and to hate yourself. It's an evil thing to stand there and and look at your body and say, I hate my body. But that's exactly where I was. And I know what it feels like. You're not alone. You may feel like you're the last person on earth who's dealt with this issue. But I promise you. Everywhere I go and speak on this, there are so many people who raise their hand and say, Amy, I'm battling with this evil spirit and I hate myself and I hate my body and I I don't feel worthy of any love. I don't think I can ever love myself 
because of what's been done to me. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been abandoned by your dad or your mom. Maybe someone said you were a mistake. Maybe there was something that happened. Maybe there wasn't. I didn't have a trauma that led me to that moment. But if you have, Jesus is more than enough to heal it. And his love is big enough to restore your broken heart. It's, it's great enough. It's great enough. I want you, everybody, everybody just keep your eyes closed. Just raise your hand so I can see. I just want to see. Amen. Amen. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over this spirit. Right now, spirit of self-hatred, we bind you in Jesus' name and we command you, take your hands off of these wonderful children of God. Right now, we command you to stop speaking to them. We bind your voice from ever speaking to them again. Right now, we break every word curse that's been spoken against their lives. Every lie of Satan right now, we tear down those strongholds in Jesus' name. And we speak life. We speak life over their hearts right now. I I command your hearts to come alive again. I command those broken hearts to be healed in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, thank you that your love invades them right now, Father. Wherever they are, I just thank you right now. Your love invades them, Jesus. Oh, Father God, you are the lover of our souls. You're the man of our dreams. Father God, I thank you for every woman in here who is broken, who is hurting. God, show yourself strong. Show your love to them, Jesus, that they would know you, that they would encounter you, God. Hallelujah, Father. I just thank you for it right now. Right now, we call it done, and we thank you, Lord, that that stronghold will never again have that power over them. In the name of Jesus, God, help them to accept and love who they are on the inside. And every part of them, God, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they are beautiful, that you are their father, that you love them tonight. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Father God. Hallelujah, Father God. We worship you tonight, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Hallelujah. Has anyone um, been struggling with your lymph nodes, your lymph glands or your glands, especially maybe in your neck area, being swollen and um, painful? If that's you, um, I want you to come forward. And anyone else who is struggling with any physical infirmity and you want prayer tonight, um, we're going to try to do this quickly so you can just make a line up here in the front. Um, worship team, would you guys sing? And um, as we do this, and I want to just, there's a couple people I want to come pray for as we sing and as we worship. And, and those who um, may want prayer for physical healing tonight, um, we will love to lay hands on you. And like I said, that we've seen so many miracles happen. Jesus is the miracle maker. And and I just, I know that his presence is here in this place. So let's just worship him. And I'm just going to come, just pray for a couple people that God has pointed out to me right now. Okay.